Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. And I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. We are proudly brought to you in association with SA Partners, a world-leading business transformation consultancy. SA Partners are a truly purposeful company focused on helping organisations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others and the planet. Welcome to episode 41 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have Mr. Vasco Dorte on the show with us today. Vasco helps small and medium-sized companies generate customer-centric products and get their processes to a level of performance they themselves thought was never possible. Vasco does this by focusing product development teams on the end-to-end life cycle of their products, from concept to cash and back. Vasco is the author of the book, No Estimates, and daily podcast host of Scrum Master Toolbox. Vasco gives back to the community every single day in an effort to improve the IT and product industry all over the world. Let's get into the episode. Vasco, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Brad, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Vasco, what's your backstory? Like, where did you discover Scrum and initially end up into this whole career and evolution you've had in this world? Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, I guess full disclosure up front, I am a uh, certified project manager. Uh, I, I like to refer to myself as a recovering project manager because yeah. you never get out of it completely, right? You have a lot of... Uh, uh, the tools you've learned, the mental models you've learned that stick with you forever. So I, I do sometimes find myself uh, uh, in the middle of my old models and try to, to climb out of them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that, that's my background. I started as a software engineer, then very quickly realized that most of our problems in product development were actually process and people's uh, problems rather than technology problems. So I, I tried to help by becoming a project manager. And the way I discovered Scrum uh, is actually a funny story. So my company was doing a pilot uh, and uh, I wanted to prove that, you know, this this young kids, they don't really get anything about product development. Project management works. Uh, Let's not, you know, mess around with this Scrum thing. So I said, I'll run the first pilot and I'll run it by the book to show that it doesn't work. Uh, And a few months into that, I discovered that not only did it work, but it worked much better than the the mental models that I had from my project management times. And uh, after that, I I never looked back and uh, that's it. I'm a convert. I started as a skeptic and then figured out that this worked much better than than what I used before. Yeah. Vasco, so you you had someone engage you back early in your career like you engage so many people and help them like what did they do to get you on the bus and get you over the line like can you remember back to it like you you obviously committed to doing the work but and testing it but how did they get you actually to get to that point well so i had been reading a lot about lean uh not in it context but rather manufacturing context so i was already very much I think primed to accept that repeatable processes are the only thing that guarantees future improvement. 
And I think it, it was just to be given the option to actually see it in action and to realize that Scrum is just like the lean processes I had been reading about for years, yeah. a repeatable process upon which you can grow and learn and improve every single day. And everything started to click because once you get that part, once you have, you know, if you have this background in lean and you get the part that the repeatable process is the core of improvement, you look at Scrum and you start to see that it really is just a very small kernel of a much bigger system, the, the whole agile system about continuous improvement and focusing on people and how they interact, which is really what Lean does too. Even though Lean comes from the manufacturing realm, it is very much a people-centric approach to manufacturing. And therefore, when you start to transpose those ideas into product development and software specifically, then you start to see that Scrum is a great kernel of applying Lean concepts to product development with software. Yeah, it takes it to a whole new level, doesn't it? In, in the way that it operates. But so how did your career evolve from there? Like you've gone from project management, traditional project management, you've discovered lean scrum, and then you've, you know, where you are now with podcasts and helping organizations and writing books. How did that play through to that place? It's uh, a very good question. So I, I worked for many years for companies that were producing or developing IT products, software products typically, but also sometimes hardware. And after a while, I saw the same problems being repeated over and over again. And uh, I told a friend of mine when I started as a consultant, look, I'm fed up with making other people's mistakes. It's time I do my own. And that's exactly what I, what I wanted to do. I wanted the opportunity to make my own mistakes and learn from that. Uh, and, you know, fast forward uh, almost 10 years after that decision, uh, I started to, to realize that a lot of the things I was applying to other people's products, I could apply to my own. So as an example, the Scrum Master Toolbox podcast, which is a daily podcast I host for Scrum Masters, started from the idea of creating a very simple, very focused, but daily Produ production of content for scrum masters to help scrum masters and i started by applying what i already knew like the lean principles i had and i said okay so if i want to do a around 10 to 15 minute episode every day what do i need to put together and i started working on the system everything like the people that help me the process that i follow the tools that i use everything to get that up and running it wasn't easy it took a while but after a while it started running and now it's it's kind of a something I spend a few hours per week on, but kind of just rolls into the work that I do. Uh, that's an example of a product I developed using the ideas I learned about helping others develop their products, right? So that's, that's just one of those uh, examples. I also do consulting, so I work and coach people who work in this field. And in the consulting side, I learned a lot from uh, what many in the lean uh, domain will know as the Toyota Kata, which is an approach to coaching that was kind of documented and formalized by Mike Ruther. But it really is about helping others learn with you as the coach, which is exactly what I need to do as a consultant. So it kind of all just rolled in together. And uh, uh, one of the key reasons why I started this is that I wanted to control my own time and the things that I did. And I started doing what I did for others. I started doing for myself and, you know, working with clients and working with my own product. So that's what got me here. Yeah. Wow. I'm really impressed too, Vasco, with your 
discussion there on the Toyota Carter, because to me, I love Scrum, but I also love the Toyota Carter. And to me, they're very similar. You know that what's the challenging goal? Where are you currently at? And then we're going to move into this gray, but let's move into the gray by setting a sprint goal and then work our way into it. You know, the, the whole thing is so interconnected, isn't it? But it's all just great work. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about it, the scrum, when badly applied, it deviates from the Toyota Kata. But when correctly applied, it kind of merges with the process of the Toyota Kata. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar, the Toyota Kata's idea is that you set the target condition, the goal, the sprint goal you have in Scrum. You have the product goal, the vision, but you also have the sprint goal every two weeks. And what you do is that every day you take a step towards that goal and obviously you learn from that so you know Toyota Kata also builds on on the work by by Schuert and Deming the PDCA or PDSA cycle so plan do check or study and act and the idea is that you do something in small increments and you learn from it in in the context of the goal that you set and then you improve and then you continue to try to achieve that goal and behind this there's an idea which is that you can't learn if you don't have a theory. And what the yeah. Toyota Kata gives us, it forces us to start to clarify, to uncover, to discover the theory that drives our actions. And I think that's a very important aspect of the whole work, which is also what Scrum tries to bring to product development teams uh, and you know sales teams, marketing teams. Unfortunately, many Scrum Masters today still forget about that critical tool, which is to set a sprint goal and therefore lead their teams astray by turning them into a ticket handling machine, right? How yeah. many tickets do we need to handle this week? And the ticket number becomes the goal, which then de detracts from the ability to learn because if there's no end state, there's no possibility of learning. And this brings us to another topic that is critical for scrum teams out there and agile teams in general is that you need to have a theory of how the world works in order to improve how you work. And that theory of how the world works needs to be developed. And by not having a, a sprint goal and a product goal, we stop having a theory. We stop learning. Yeah. And we become just machine that, you know, that we, we tackle product backlog items as a machine rather than collaborating on improving the outcomes of the company or product we are trying to develop. Yeah. And I can see, Vasco, the way you describe it in linking Toyota Carter to Scrum, because I know I've been trained in Scrum by Jeff Sutherland too. And, you know, you get trained on that, but you see a lot of Scrum teams where they lose sight on that vision for the future, that challenging goal and where they're going. And it just becomes about producing work. But is the work actually the right work to produce? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and if, even if it is the right, is it still the right one to do now? Like if there's no yeah. understanding of where we're going, any work is good, right? As, as Yogi Berra used to say, if you don't know where you're going, any way will take you there. Yeah, <laughs> too true. Basically, I know you're doing a lot of work on the whole product owner piece and also work around linking with sales and engaging sales more in Scrum for product development. Like, do you mind exploring for us a bit how product owners, you know, can engage with sales to improve product success? 
So of course the product owners got that goal down the track. How can they engage more effectively with sales to actually get better outcomes? That's a great question, Brad. Uh, I think that many product owners are led astray by this idea that they need to start with an internal product goal, right? Like what is my vision for the product always? What is my company's vision for the product? And I see that a lot in the workshops that I do with product owners. There's a, a workshop specifically uh, the growth hacking workshop for product owners, where I try to help them not in their vision for the product, but in their customer's vision for the product. And I think that one of the advantages that product owners get from engaging with sales teams is exactly to start to hear the customer language. Now, many salespeople will just come and tell you, here's the features you need to develop for my customers. Okay, that's the wrong type of interaction, right? But a salesperson that gives you this, a list of features they want, is also a great source of insight as to why those features are being requested, right? So a great product owner will engage with that salesperson and start to explore what context did that feature come up? Did you come up with it or did the customer come up with it? What kind of problems do you think they are trying to solve? Um, <clears throat> a great uh, mindset that salespeople have is to intuitively understand the customer's business model. Let's explore the customer's business model because I guarantee product owners that are able to amplify a customer's business model are product owners of a successful product because the majority of the products out there are a burden on their customers. Yeah, They don't help them succeed. They are a burden. They impose tasks, impose models on the customer rather than help them succeed. So for me, what's most important about that engagement between product owners and salespeople is when product owners start to understand the reason why salespeople bring in certain features repeatedly, they start to understand the customer's language. And very important for me, and that's what I tell all the product owners that I train and coach, is to use on purpose customer language in the product vision. So forget the feature language, forget the, uh, <clears throat> I call it solution fetish, right? We very often just focus on solutioneering. No, define the product as a solution to the problems of the customer. And why not define the goal of the product to solve a specific set of problems rather than solve those in a certain way? Yeah, so, so you're, you're really saying that in a way as you know, a product development team and product owner of that product, you, know, you need to align what you're doing to the customer. And you've got often a sales team out there who are well connected to the customer but it sounds to me too that you're saying Vasco, that the way that you engage that salesperson and the questions you ask them is very important because i'm guessing that sometimes it can feel like the salesperson is just a, a feature chaser and they're just putting extra work down on people trying to develop a product whereas you're saying that with the right questions they can start to unlock some keys to the kingdom and some really good knowledge yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about this. If a salesperson comes to you as a product owner and says, hey, I want feature A, B, and C, and you go and you give them feature A, B, and C, what will happen next? Salesperson will try to sell feature A, B, and C to their customers. It will fail, uh, not all the time, but often will fail, and then come back and blame you for delivering the wrong features. Like this conversation is a lose-lose. The salesperson loses because they can't sell. 
you lose because you don't understand what the customer is trying to do, the problem they are trying to solve. And at the end of the day, most importantly, the customer loses because they get a product that is a burden on them rather than something that helps them succeed. So step out of that mental model and step into what is the customer trying to do mental model, right? I very often tell the product owners that I coach and teach, I tell them that there's only one phrase in your customer's mind and that phrase is there all the time. And the phrase goes like this, what have you done for me lately? And they ask that question from your product every single time they interact with your product. And your product needs to shout that answer all the time. What have you done for me lately? Right. And of course, it has to be designed with that question in mind. Right. We don't add features to a product. We solve problems for a customer. So, you know, a a tip here would be learn about the jobs to be done framework, which is a very important perspective changing framework for product owners. But also learn to engage with the salespeople because the salespeople are, are already doing that job. They are already trying to figure out what problems the customers want to solve. They just don't have the language to come to you and tell you what the problem is because they themselves are trapped in this solutioneering problem, which is they come to you with the solution they want to solve the customer's problem instead of coming up with a solution together with you as the product owner, which is how it should be done, right? So great product owners will pay attention to what the salespeople tell them they want and then we'll explore why. Because when you put those two pieces of information together, you can now start to picture a lot more about, you know, how do I make my customers succeed? You know, the modern agile people say, make your customers awesome. That's what we want to do. And salespeople don't know how to do it. Product owners don't know how to do it. Only customers know how to do it. But they only know when you show them something. And that's where the power of agile and scrum come in. Right. So engage with customers, show them mock-ups, show them video um, demos, show them click dummies and understand, is this solving a real problem? Then develop the feature. Don't do it the other way around. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is that upfront, the salesperson and the product owner collaborating and getting very good at asking why, when they hear something from a customer asking why and trying to get to that deeper reason why the customer wants that feature and what problem it's going to solve. But then on the flip side, don't just develop it for them. How can you test that with them and get them to explore the ideas that you've got to help them with that? Is that, am I on right track with that, Vasco? Yeah, absolutely. I would even say that when you engage with salespeople, you get the best allies at running experiments because salespeople are talking to customers every single day. If you provide the salespeople with the type of questions you want them to ask customers, they are happy because you help them create the sales script. Don't forget that the goal of sales is to help customers solve problems so that they pay you for your product, right? So you're helping them do the sales work. At the same time, you're running experiments. You're testing your assumptions about what the answers will be and using that in order to validate your product ideas right? Uh, And then there are other methods, MVPs, right? The MVP is a concept that is not very well understood. Uh, Even though it's called MVP, which stands for minimum viable product, 
great product managers and product owners understand that it's actually an MVE, a minimum viable experiment, something you deliver with the intent of learning more about the customer's problem. For example, if you don't work with salespeople, whatever you come up with as the MVP, it's a shot in the dark. You shoot, but you never know if you hit the target. Yeah. But if you work with salespeople, your minimum viable experiment is a way to fish for feedback, to learn if what you thought might be a solution will work. So yeah. instead of spending you know, six to 12 months figuring out a whole feature set that then you go and sell and it doesn't sell, you actually do this every, every two weeks, every one week, whatever your sprint length is, and you show things to salespeople, they show them to customers and they get feedback and they help you build a better product. And, and salespeople and product owners really are two sides of the same role in Scrum, the product owner role. And this is very important for people who are, you know, being perhaps introduced into Scrum to understand is that the product owner is a superman's role or a super person's role because they they embody the CEO job, the marketing job, the product management job and the sales job in one person. It's a high responsibility, really, really high difficulty job for someone to play, which then demands us to consider how can I involve the salespeople that are already in the organization so that I can perform at an acceptable level as a product owner. Yeah, it's it's really interesting you talking about that, Vasco, because it like, yeah, that product owner's job when run well is having that constant contact with internal stakeholders but customers. And what you're saying, Vasco, is that the sales team, they're allies for the product owner. Like they're actually a team of people who can help the product owner in this difficult job they've got keep that solid contact and connection and learn from the horse's mouth directly from the customer all the time. Yeah, they're like your pioneers behind enemy lines, right? Like they yeah. bring incredibly important information, but we need to learn how to decode that because salespeople don't speak product development, they speak sales, right? So it's very important for the product owners to start to understand, you know, how does the process look like in a sales team? What do they do and how can I yeah. help them succeed so that I may get also some benefit out of it, right? And uh, that requires the, the ability to translate sales speech into product development speech, right? So feature request into problem description, as an example. Yeah. Vasco, what does, what's an example of great work in this area where you've seen a company which is a product development company or they're trying to improve their product and they've got a product owner on, on that and they have been able to establish great collaboration with sales and help salespeople ask why and get to the real root of the drivers for customers. And they've also been able to really use that data and create great outcomes. Yeah, so I was working in a project that uh, lasted about a year and a half. Now, <clears throat> this was a, a product that was being developed from scratch, so it didn't exist before we started with a, with a clean slate. But we did start with a very clear definition of who the customer was and what they were trying to achieve. Now, we were wrong when we started, but that's okay. You need to start somewhere. And then what we did is that we engaged directly with business development people, since this was a new product, to start visiting customers directly and engaging with them and listening to what were the problems, the business goals that they had. And through that, and together with business development, we started to develop an understanding of what was the business model we were trying to enable on the customer side, right? 
we were literally trying to help the customer make more money themselves, not us, the customer. Yeah. And the only way we could do that was because we were directly involving business development and salespeople in those conversations. And the amazing thing happened, and that was kind of a light bulb moment for me, is that once you help salespeople and business development people to start to think a little bit like problem exploration perspective, they go to a customer and they are really good at engaging with the customer and really good at asking questions and really good at helping the customer reveal how your product can help them succeed, which is amazing, right? Wouldn't yeah. we always all want to have the answer to that question? Yeah. Well, naturally, the salespeople are very personable, aren't they? Typically, you know, they've got a great way of building trust and rapport with customers. That can and also, really they have them. a track record. They've talked with a customer before. They know each other. They're probably buddies already, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very powerful. Vasco, what stops product owners and salespeople collaborating like why like what you've explained is brilliant and it sounds spot on but what what have you seen that stops this evolving and occurring yeah i think that's a that's the one million dollar question right or or 10 million if we're talking about aussie dollars <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right too true okay so the idea is that we do live in different worlds, like product owners live in a different world than the salesperson lives. And, um, you know, salespeople are always frantic with the next thing to do and the next customer to visit and the next deal to close. They don't really have time to spend two, three days talking to you about product vision. But we can do something about that. Product owners can do something about that by starting to engage with the sales work. Now, let me go with you to a customer. I'll just listen. And as you build trust with that salesperson, you start to ask questions after the meeting and so on. And then later on, you will be allowed to talk to the customer directly and ask those questions. But the idea is to build a collaboration between the product owner and the salesperson. So they're helping each other, right? Uh, in that particular example I was talking to you about a moment ago, we created a product that went from zero to 10 million in revenue in less than four years. And of course, the only reason why it did was because the salespeople believed in the product and wanted to sell the product. Yeah. And the reason why they believed was because they were part of developing the product. So it really is a win, win, win. Product owner gets insights that they otherwise would not get. Salespeople get to influence product development to fit the customer's need. And the customer finally gets a product that isn't a burden on the way they work. So for me, what is critical here is for product developers to start to live the sales process as much as they live the product owner role, right? So we need to understand, you know, what are the salespeople's goals? How can we help them? What kind of information do we need? And how can we portray that in a way that helps the salesperson and the client to develop that better understanding? Uh, so it, it really is a lot about one of those uh, uh, agile values, right? People and interactions over processes and tools. But it really is about creating that relationship of trust and of being of service to one another, right? Start yeah. from the perspective that I want to serve my salespeople. Let me figure out how, because I know that through that interaction, just trying to serve them, I will learn things that I would never be able to learn from, you know, market research uh, documents and sitting in my cubicle trying to come up with the perfect product feature set. Yeah. And both parties end up winning from what you've described as a massive outcome. All three for both parties. parties. All three parties, because the customer also wins. Yeah. Nice. 
Nice. Lasse, what, what advice would you give to someone who is just starting out as a product owner and they really want to make sure they get the gains out of this direction? Where would you tell them to start? What would you advice would you give them? So I would say that the most important aspect is for product owners to try to understand what the salespeople are already doing, how they are engaging with customers, what kind of questions they are asking. And this can be done very simply by engaging with sales when they come to us with a list of features, right? I want feature A, B and C. Well, that's great. Those are great ideas. Let me understand better the context of the need. So this feature A, how does it help the customer? What problem is the customer facing? Oh, and by the way, what are the reasons customers are not buying? And how would feature A help you overcome those objections? So, you know, create a win-win-win relationship with the salesperson. Uh, I think that's a great place to start. So start from the perspective that salespeople know things you don't know. Uh, they probably do a lot of things you don't know. Our job is to try to figure out what those things are and how they can help us develop a product that ultimately serves the customer better, right? Uh, I would say that's the beginning. And then the next step is don't go back to the development team and say, here's 20 features I want you to develop. Experiment, collaborate with the salesperson to run experiments. Experiments can be as simple as just paper prototypes being shown to certain customers. Uh, interview questions that you ask the salesperson to ask to validate some of your assumptions and risks and so on and so forth. Yeah, the minimal viable experiment as you described it. That's that's a great, great topic, a great language for it. Vasco, thank, thank you so much for that knowledge there. And I've got a final question I ask all guests, but it's, it relates a lot to what you and I have talked about with this constant learning and constant evolving. But what's something that you've learned recently in your area of expertise that you didn't know before. What's been a recent insight for you, Vasco? Uh, I think the most important insight is actually a sales insight. Uh, it took me a while to get there as I started to build my own products and, and try to sell them. And I started to understand what, what my failings were slowly uh, and eventually figured out that the role that we have as product developers is not really to develop products, even though the name is there, product developers. We are not there to develop products. We should be called customer success people because that's what we really try to do. We try to help customers be successful. And that starts by taking the perspective, the stance that we are there to serve. And for me, that was a... a uh, life-changing insight when it comes to my work, which is that I am there to help my customers succeed, whether as a consultant or as a product developer. That's the perspective that I take. And as product owners, I think that's a very, very useful perspective because it gets us away from what I call shopping list product ownership, right? Just give me all of these features and turns us into a value creation product owner, value for the customer and therefore also for the company producing the product. So starting from the perspective that we are there to serve our customers has been perhaps the most important insight in my career as a both a scrum master and also as a product owner. Yeah, that's that's powerful. That's awesome. Vasco, just one final thing. Where can people reach out to you if they want to get in touch and learn more? Yeah, so the easiest way would be to, to reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm easy to find. Just type Vasco and Scrum Master Toolbox Podcast and uh, my name will come up uh, at the top of the list. 
Well, Vasco, thank you so much for all the work you're doing with Scrum Masters and product owners and getting collaboration cross-functionally in businesses to really help great outcomes for customers and the different teams throughout an organization. Really appreciate your knowledge. Really appreciate your time, Vasco. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Brad. Brad. Bye for now. The key takeaways for me from this episode were focus on how we can serve and secondly, minimal viable experiment. Takeaway number one is about focusing on how we can serve other teams in our business as well as external customers. Establishing a culture of collaboration, continuous improvement and innovation. To do this, we need to understand the goals and motivations of internal teams as well as customers and the challenges they are facing in achieving these. We then need to understand why internal teams and customers are seeking certain goals and why they have the challenges they are facing. This information allows us to develop products and services or simply improve our processes in ways that will truly help the people we serve, which will help us in return. Takeaway number two provides a simple, fast way to test out theories on how we can improve and learn from this. The minimal viable experiment concept is about developing a minimal viable approach to product development or improvement to share with a customer and gain their thoughts and feedback. We can learn from this feedback rapidly, make adjustments and improve again. This rapid experimental approach is at the heart of creating an innovating, agile culture. Thank you again, Vasco. Bye for now.